with you what's going on you know ain't nothing like a little india on the sands okay have you been taking care of self or are you overspending on others are you being present and attentive or are you avoiding whatever you're doing remember to keep the lord first and always in it if you are avoiding the things you should be doing like i tend to do i'm here to tell you and me both Get it together. Tighten up. Remember, inaction is an action, and delayed obedience is disobedience. Whatever choice you make or do not make, there's still a choice being made. So when it comes to you, always seek God first because He will direct your choices. You know, we all have choices. And it is important to be aligned with God in order to make the right choices. When in doubt, pray first. We always tend to seek everyone else's advice and opinions on our life before even asking God first. They can offer you advice, but how effective is their advice if it's not heaven sent? I know for me, it seems easier to hit up certain friends or family before asking God his thoughts first. Some of that is fear-based. Because, you know, sometimes the things God calls you to do is of everything you don't want to do. Therefore, calling those friends, I may get the advice or answer that I want. But when you have godly friends and a family that are actively pursuing God like you, they will speak the words from God. (laughs) So basically, ain't no getting around to what God actually wants you to do. I have to always make the conscious effort to pause and seek God before anyone else, especially when it comes to your path in life, your God-given purpose. God will always call for reinvention. So please do not ever feel like you have arrived because even when you have arrived, there's more to do and become. We will always be in the process of becoming. Both of my parents are retired, and after hearing a sermon from Pastor Mike Todd, y'all know that's my bowl, I kindly left a sticky note on our refrigerator reminding them that God didn't call you to retire, but to reinvent. Retirement is a word that society has put into place, but God said reinvent. I know they're tired of my sticky notes, but hey, we all need a gentle reminder here and there. I know I do. So good, people. We are wrapping this series of all things education up with higher education. They say you saved the best for last, and I am sure this particular sister of mine will definitely agree that she is the best. (laughs) 
what I tell y'all, we toot our own horns over here, tooty toot. My sister, who is the second oldest of six, is telling us everything we need to know about higher ed. When it comes to the things regarding college, she is the go-to. That is, if she has time. Because not only is she in higher ed, she wears many other hats. I would like to personally introduce you to my sister, Miss Charisma. Mrs. Charisma, okay? And she is the physical walking definition of her name. She owns her name and I'm proud to call her my own flesh and blood. If there's anyone you need in your corner, she's great to have y'all and I'm glad I have her. Many know her by Charisma, but I call her Riz. Charisma is a retention manager at a local university here in Philly. She is also a mother of three, a wife, and an activist within our community. Like I said, she wears many hats. So let me just introduce y'all so she can really tell you who and what she does. Okay. Welcome, Riz. Welcome to Good Food, Good People Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Ariel. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for having me on the show. Just for those people who are out there listening, unless you grew up in Nightstown and you was on those still school playground streets, just call me Charisma. That's um, Riz is a name that we have to have some history together. We had to get down and dirty together. And so um, Charisma is great. I want to thank you again for having me, Ariel. And I want to tell you how proud we are as your siblings that you are pursuing your passion and you are just doing the thing. And so every time I hear you, I'm just like, oh, this gets great. I had to stop listening to your podcast in my car because my kids were stopping me, asking me questions, you know, and different children notice different things. And so I felt like I was explaining things to them and I, I can't do it. I need to enjoy this on my own. And so I thank you for having me here today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad because, you know, the kids were like, Aunt Eric, what you going to talk about next? Who you going to have? I'm like, listen, y'all. Listen, I'm going to see. What has been bringing you peace lately? What have you been consuming in order to fill your own peace tank? Well, it was interesting that you played that song. I've been under the weather a lot this week. You know, when I heard NDIRE, when you hear NDIRE, you just start moving, right? Mm -hmm. It's that soul music, that music that just touch you. And so when I heard, I started jamming. And then as I listened to the words, because, you know, words are powerful. Mm -hmm. Words have meaning. I thought about when she said it's the little things. And so what has been bringing me peace is Psalms 8 and 4, when it says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? We are constantly encouraged or told to be mindful, but one of the greatest examples of mindfulness is in our creator, in that the Lord is actually mindful of us amidst a pandemic, a health crisis, an economic crisis, a political crisis. And let's be honest, it's always been a race crisis, but never has it been more visible. And so to think that God has kept me really, you know, especially during these last months when Man, if if we had a testimony service, which I know they don't do, but if we had a testimony service, I could spend all day testifying just within the last six months of how God has kept me. Well, go ahead, sis. Go ahead and get your testimony in. Go ahead. (laughs) Testify. So I'll just tell you just a, a little bit. 
2020 was a big year. It is a big year because mm-hmm. it's not over. And so when people say it's, it's, uh-uh, it's not over yet, don't rush it. You know, God is a, you know, he's a God. He's a God that'll show up all the time, mm-hmm. but he'll especially show up in the 12th month mm-hmm. on the 12th day, you know, like you, at midnight, at midnight. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I just think about, um, I turned 40 this year. My husband turned 50 this year. It was our 10 year anniversary. And so, um, a wonderful student, a sister, she called me and she said, Miss Charisma, I promise you when we were in Villanova that I am taking you home. She said, we are going home. And I said, well, Priscilla, when are we going home? And she said, me and my mother are taking you to Ghana for your birthday. Mm. Like, you know, again, I, I, re- I was reminded by that scripture. God, you're mindful of me because at that point in my life, I needed a break. I needed to leave. And and I'm thankful for my village because I am airborne. I can't stay on land and be landlocked for too long. Mm -mm. But I have wonderful parents, mom and dad. I have wonderful siblings. I have wonderful in-laws, right? Mm -hmm. And aunts who are literally like, we got these kids. Mm -hmm. We got it. You go. You enjoy yourself because we know when you come back, mm-hmm. you're going to bring these, these gifts. You're going to come back more energized. And so I went and I had met my whole new guy and family and they gave me a birthday party. And so I was like, Lord, I'm thankful. And literally when I came back four days later, the country was on lockdown mm. because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that the timing of God mm. was Ooh. just so perfect. It just makes me sit back in awe. And so when I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you make, I, I'm good. I'm good for mm-hmm. the year. We, we, we're landlocked. And then all of a sudden in July, within a five day week, I find that my husband has heart disease and he has to have surgery. And I find out on a Friday and they're going to do surgery on a Monday. And I need to go home and tell my children why I came back home without daddy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm asking, can he come home? And the doctors are like, no, he has a, bigger risk of dying of a heart attack than he does of catching COVID. And so I just want to remind people that heart disease is the number one killer in the United States. And so while you're home, make sure you're moving, make sure you're doing something to relieve that stress, make sure you're praying and keeping Mm. your mind stayed on him. My husband was like, okay, we're going to have this surgery and then I'm going to take you out for our anniversary on Friday. Yeah. He's, um, he thought, yeah, yeah. So that's what we go, we gonna call him. And so I had to laugh. And when he was there, I said, "Honey, you're itching. What's going on?" And he was like, "I, I have poison ivory because I just mowed the lawn before I left." And so I said, "You should tell the doctors." And when he told the doctors, they said, "We have to postpone your surgery until Friday." And my husband looked at me, and I looked at him, and the doctor said, "Well, what's wrong?" And he said, "Friday is our ten-year anniversary." And so the doctor said, "Do you want to postpone it?" And I said, "No," because while we had been thinking about what anniversary gift to give each other, I realized just then and there that the Lord gave us more time to be together mm, and a new and, heart and a new heart, right? Mm. And a new heart. And so for you all who don't know my husband. Joe, for me, is what Marty was for the notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He is just an amazing person. And so I just love him with all my heart. And and so to even think about raising my children on my own, the question is not, can I do it? Because I think my parents put some good stuff in me to say, okay, you can do it. The answer is, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I need him. And so that's like just my, my brief, like... What's giving me peace? Mm, mm. What has been bringing you joy lately? 
Coronavirus has caused a lot of death, caused, it has made visible a lot of inequities that we know in our community, but now more and more people are hearing of it. But I think what brings me joy is that it has slowed down. Mm. It has slowed us down. We have to spend time in our homes together, right? We have to, we're allowed to be together more, learn together, love each other together, forgive and be in the same space. It has allowed my husband to realize that something was going on in his chest. It has allowed my sister to be like, I, something's going on. I, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And it has allowed people to stop mm-hmm. and actually focus on them. That's bringing me joy because we are forced now to be in the same space mm-hmm. to find out what are our quirks were. And if you stay with somebody in the same room for six months, Lord. you really find out whether you love them or not. Okay. And so I think that that's what it, that's bringing me joy. I'm getting to see my children in new light and I'm getting to see my husband in new life. And I'm happy to report y'all that I ain't tired of them. Okay. Okay. Cause uh, he can't give you back now. We love you, but he got to keep you. Can you tell the good people what exactly you do and how long you have been doing so? I'm a grower. I grow people, ideas, potential, passions, and purpose. But my nine to five, I'm a retention manager at the university. I get students through college. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of people are like, yay, let's celebrate. We get them to college. But, you know, if you've been in college, you'll understand it's hard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be lonely and it can be isolating. And it's not like high school in many cases where you are able to go home and get those emotional refueling. You have to worry about your academics, mm. your social, your physical. It's so much going on and you have to do this all at once. And so my job is, is to actually get people through college and by, by any means. So it could be, you know, life has detours. Mm-hmm. realizing that a student is still a whole person. They're just not there for academics. They're also mm-hmm. there for social. They also have to think about home life, mm-hmm. right? Because they got to go back home to these communities. When they're not passing, people are like, but you are the top 10 in your class. You you should have this and you should get this. Because I think a lot of people get stuck in this fixed mindset mm-hmm. where they should be looking at a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Smart people grow. So when we tell our kids, well, if you don't get it, you're not growing. No, we need to send a message that, it's okay not to get anything. That's called growth. When you stop growing, you mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. right? Because if we if we stop growing, we die. Right. And so we don't need to do that. And so when they say, I don't get anything, hear it and be like, okay, well, let me help you. And so we have to start associating being smart with growth. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a devotion I read about goal focus versus growth focus. And that's very important. Mm. Where did your educational journey begin and how did you end up in higher ed? You know, take us on a long walk around the park at the door. Mm, find a spot for us to spark conversation, verbal elation, stimulation, share our situation, sensation, <laughs> education. Yes. Take us on a walk. A little jelly from Philly. You know, I I have to be honest, like I've always been told and I've read that if you ever had to look past your dinner table for your heroes, like that's Mm -hmm. a red flag. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be honest, it started at home, Mm -hmm. right? Like my parents really impressed upon us the power of education. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom always would talk about this personalized journey and experience. They realized that each of us was different and we had our different areas of growth. And so if Coquita didn't do well in one subject and then I came home and I was like, well, Kita didn't do well in it. 
My mom was like, I'm not talking about Kita. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about charisma. And I was like, well, everybody in the class got to see. I don't care about everybody in the class. I care about you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like she's always pushed. And my dad, cool, calm. Mm-hmm. He was in the background. Now, let me let me say something about this. When he has to intervene. Mm-hmm. That means there's a problem. A real problem. And so you want, and I'm going to call her by her first name because she ain't here right now. Uh-huh. You you don't want Gloria to go off. But but more importantly, you don't want Jim mm-hmm. to join the bandwagon with Gloria. Because mm-hmm. if you do, it's going to be a shame. And so I've always saw my mom being this advocate, pushing education. And one of the things that I love about my parents is, is that they didn't just push it in me, but... When we started bringing home our friends in our village, my mother would then advocate for them. Mm -hmm. And that was from education to fighting for pools in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so she did like an amazing job at doing that. And I had saw that and I had saw like our journeys. I saw my sister who was one of the first gens to go to college. And when I saw her going and how hard it was. I had to question myself and say, do I really want this? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to go to college. And I remember my mom saying, did you think you had a choice? You ain't got no choice you, in this house. Okay, like you going, you need to make a different experience because your sister is experiencing different than you. And so like to have that journey and then to, to be at this institution and to be surrounded by just some people. It's funny, one of my neighbors who I live with now, I remember him coming and he said to me, I want to make it my job that I know every person of color on this campus and I want to look after you and take care of you. And so although I was at a PWI, this village was already being made. And so, again, that mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. He was mindful that he saw this little brown girl at this university walking by herself, like walking with confidence, but really Mm -hmm. shaking in the knees inside because I don't know how to navigate this thing. I don't know how to tell my mom that I don't because my mom's like, you smart enough to figure it out. But right now I don't feel smart in a classroom with students whose parents are doctors and lawyers and CEOs and CFOs, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I know if I go home, my mom going to kick my behind. Mm -hmm. And so I even need, I need to swim because it ain't no such thing as thinking. Mm -hmm. And so being on that journey. And one of the things my mom taught us was to always ask questions. And so I asked questions and I talked to people. Mm -hmm. And so realizing that I think it really came me in this role was, Somebody help me. Um, I need to help someone else. Someone once told me, a mentor of mine, she said, someone you haven't even met is depending on you. Mm. And that's why you need to succeed. And so I realized that I'm standing on the shoulders of so many people who came before me who didn't even know that they were doing it for me. And so I wanted to give that back. My parents gave it to me and I want to give it to other people. And so that's what this whole retention manager, my education journey is about. And so I've been doing the work in higher education for 16 years. Mm, now, did you know graduating out of college that you was going to end up here? No. If you would have asked me what where I would end up, I would say I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And But after working at a law firm, I realized that I could not be indoors that long. I, I, I just can't. I, I need to be free. I mm-hmm. need to have flexibility. I don't like waking up. I don't like a nine to five. And I really don't have a nine to five. I have a 10 to... Whatever time I need to finish up, like that's my time and I have this flexibility. And so I didn't know. But one of the things that I had to learn early on was to let go. Mm. And I think that that's important, especially in autumn. 
right? We're in autumn and the leaves are falling and autumn is about change. Mm -hmm. It's about letting go. And so we say sometimes that we letting go, but we always intervene. We Mm -hmm. always put our hands in it and like, God, let me help you out. And so I had to realize that firsthand and God don't need my help. Mm -mm. And actually I'm hurting myself thinking I'm helping myself. And so I had to let go and say, okay, this isn't what I want. Lord, will you lead me? I follow you. I will say it is scary. Mm-hmm. But I think the good thing is, is that knowing again, that he's mindful of me and that he's ordering my steps, although I can't see it, mm-hmm. although I'm walking in the dark, I'm walking with the light. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay, and so, okay, so that's, we had a on that one. <laughs> that's my, I didn't know that I was here. And, and so I'm open mm-hmm. to where I'm going to go next. And I know that there's a next. Mm. Okay. Okay. What has it been like for you being a black woman in these predominantly white spaces? We talk about code switching a lot, mm-hmm. but we only talk about it in terms of language. Mm-hmm. We don't really talk about it in terms of like space. Mm. And so we switch all the time. We have to go into these, these, these communities. And some people are like, well, no, you can just stay in your own communities. You know, the only way to influence is to actually be a part of. Mm-hmm. So you need to learn, but you got to be careful being learned because you don't want to get played. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you got to learn how to like negotiate. You got to learn how to be a game changer. But the truth of the matter is, I think someone said you are I and you got to You got to get you a seat at the table mm-hmm. because if you don't, you're either making the menu or you own a menu mm-hmm. and I want to make the menu because I don't want to be on a menu where people dictating for me. And so I have to go into places sometimes where I may not be welcomed. Mm-hmm. I don't say comfortable because I can pull up a seat anywhere. Okay. And so I, you know, and, and just being a woman and being a woman of color, I have to make my presence known because I know that there are other women coming. I went to this conference, Errol and I went to this conference and it was, the uh the the master class conference mm-hmm. and I, yes and i like what she said she said you have some women who enter a room and they close the door because mm-hmm. they don't want to let nobody in mm-hmm. and i say that to say that every skin folk ain't your kin folk okay say it loud for the people in the back so every hear you. skin folk ain't your kin folk so be careful of that but then she said but then you have these other women who come in a room and leave the door open and say come on in sister I want to be that person who leaves the door open and say, come on in. And so I understand that sometimes I'm going to make people feel uncomfortable and that I can't let me being uncomfortable stop me from entering the room because you have to enter the room. I love Hamilton where he talks about if it, at one point he was like, I got to be in a room. That's mm-hmm. when Aaron Burr realized. That's when he realized like, I got to be in a room because decisions being made and I'm not even a part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. And so I challenge all of you today. To get in other rooms that you're not used to being in. I think Will Smith said it best. He said, when you in a room and you realize that you're the smartest person in the room, it's time for you to get out. And he, he said, well, you need to get in a room of giants. And you feel, when you realize that you're the dumbest person in the room, he said, because that means that you're going to start growing even more. And so if you realize that you're that smart person in the room, it's time for you to get out. Yeah. And go in a room where there's giants so that you can grow. What she said is called Hasu, hook a sister up. Hook a sister up. (laughs) (laughs) What do you feel? Why do you feel God has placed you in these spaces of growing, teaching, and impacting the lives of these young adults? You know, like when we think about human growth and development, 
I love the young adolescent adult, like that 18 to like 26 frame, because I get to sit back and I get to see everything, all the stock that they came with. I get to see them through infancy. I get to hear their stories. I get to hear how their parents, you know, brought them up. And as as I'm helping them, they're also helping me, right? Because I have children in those early phases and no one gives you this book on parenting. Mm-hmm. And I've read a lot of books, but let me tell you something. When that baby come home, them books get thrown out the window because <laughs> you're not getting sleep. You're not making decisions, right? They get thrown out the window. And so I get to hear from the students. I get to hear from their parents. I get to be like, wow, that worked. Or, oh, I want to stay away from that. And so it's like this book that I have access to. And so I like being able to stoke the potential because I know they got it because they're there, mm-hmm. right? So when people say like, I shouldn't be here, you here. Mm-hmm. If I don't want to hear you shouldn't be. And so I have to remind them. I have to remind them that they're young, they're gifted and they're black. And y'all don't mm. think that they need to hear that. But baby, sometimes do not take for granted that I know my mom told us that every day. But I know that there are tons of students and sons of children in this world that nobody has ever told them that they love them. Nobody has ever told them that they're young and they're gifted and they are a person of color or they're young and they're gifted and they're white. You're young and you're gifted. Age is a gift, mm. right? And so we need to value it. And so reminding them that you have this gift to change. I think about King. He was 24 when he spoke on Washington. He was young, right? And he and was gifted. People think that that happened later. It happened young. I think about in South Africa, like it was the young people who got this apartheid to stop. I think about in China, like it was the young people. Like do not mistake age and say, I cannot do because you can. And I think God has put me with these beautiful people to remind them that they can change, to remind them that they are the exception, but that they should make this exception the rule for all young people. And so I don't take that for granted when I'm talking to them. There's one young lady that I think about all the time. It's my baby. She calls me mama. And, and, and her name is Jen. And I remember her journey from when she was high school to when she was in college. And we've been up and down together. And then I remember last week she started teaching for the first time. And she wrote me and she said, Mamas, I know I'm doing what God called me mm-hmm. to do. And this was a young lady who, if you act at the beginning, there wasn't a thing about faith. And, you know, and so, you know, I don't like evangelize to my students, but one of the ways I don't do it verbally, but I do evangelize with the life that I live. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they say the only Bible you the only Bible some people read is the life you live. And Mm -hmm. so I try to reflect the God in me. In Matthew 5 and 16, it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. And so my life speaks. And, And so she said to me one day. I want you to be my spiritual advisor. And I said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I said, the only thing I can tell you is Jesus. And she's like, exactly. Keep on telling me about him. And so her senior year, she wrote this essay about her faith journey. And I think that was the greatest gift somebody could ever give me mm-hmm. her relationship with Christ. And so I think that the only thing that I can do for my students is remind them of who God created them to be. Mm-hmm. Remind them that they're there for a reason, that someone that they didn't know is believing in them. And that I'm going to be your coach 
I'm going to be that person who cheers you on, but I'm also going to be that person who check you. Mm -hmm. So you ask who's going to check you, boo, it's me. (laughs) And I'm going to be there because, again, I'm a grower. I want to wait till you, you know, fulfill your passion and your purpose, because by you doing that, you'll be feeding other people as well as feeding yourself. Mm. Do you love it? And why? I always love to talk about. I always Mm -hmm. love to live out my faith. I love how God has allowed me to be an impact for people. And that's why I said I don't come by retention manager because when I sit down and talk to anybody, you know, retention is about retaining someone, right? Mm -hmm. It's about looking and saying, how can we help them be their best self? How can we help them succeed? How can we help them get to that next level? And so, yes, I love helping people get to the next level. Okay. What's one of the biggest lessons that you have learned while helping others to grow? You know, it was a lesson that I didn't realize that I've learned as a lifeguard, because I think a part of your first podcast, you talked about Mm -hmm. we were all lifeguards. And one of the first lessons they tell you is that when you're saving someone, if they start to pull you under, you push them back. And you tell them the first time, stop pulling on me. I'm trying to save you. You go in and save them again. If they try to do that again, you let them go. And unfortunately, sometimes they drown. Mm-hmm. Because while you could be saving someone, they could they could drown you. And so I started to take to heart students who I had lost along the way, right? Mm-hmm. We call it the outs. It's the dropouts, the stopouts, the opt-outs and the transfers. And then what I had to realize is, it's just like, when you take this step of faith, everybody's not going to take the this, this step of salvation or take the walk of salvation at once. Mm-hmm. Different people have different journeys, but you have to be willing to let go again, change because you can't control them mm-hmm. and they'll do it when they want to. And you have to just trust God. And so I, that was one of the lessons early on that there's only so much I can do. I can take you to the water. I can show you, but I initially have to let you go. And some of the hardest lessons we learn is when we fall on our face. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I know is that every time I fell on my face, I was in the perfect position to cry out to God Mm -hmm. and ask for prayer, Mm -hmm. right? When I fell on my face, I was like, I'm here, right? Like, I I don't know what else to do. And that's not a bad thing, letting Mm -hmm. someone go and letting them fall. Mm -hmm. Because at least you know they're still in God's hands. And so that was a lesson that I had to learn. And another lesson I had to learn was that I need to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Because if I pour into everyone and I'm not pouring into me, I become empty. I shrivel up and I die. Mm-hmm. And I'm no good to the people that I love, my family and my husband. Mm-hmm. Is college for everyone? And do you believe everyone should try it? An advanced degree, be it technical or certification, is for everyone. You need more than a high school diploma. I think one of the things that I enjoy so much about your podcast is hearing people who talk about they have this degree, right? Mm -hmm. And they may be in another field. Mm -hmm. And so when people say, well, what does a a degree give you? It gives you that flexibility Mm -hmm. that you can go to different places and you can just change jobs. You, you, You don't have to be held to something. And so I believe that you need more than a high school diploma. College is not for everyone. Mm hmm. Now, later on in life, and and I know some people are going to be like, no, no, it's not. That's why you need, you can get a technical degree there. I was just reading something recently that said, we are going to need more electricians. We're going to need more carpenters. We're going to need more plumbers. Like there are other forms of of an education that you can get. 
Sometimes mm-hmm. college may not be for you in this moment or this season, mm-hmm. but it may be for you later on. I have students who do that. Mm-hmm. They want to explore and figure out what they what it is that they want to do. And then when they come back, they're more determined and focused because they're like, I know that this is what I want to do. I think we have to think beyond high school or we're simply leaving our money and our gifts untapped and on the table. Mm-hmm. That's good. What do people need to really know and understand when getting into college, specifically people of color who may be the first generation of attending a university? You know, when people say, well, what's the first generation of college? I should explain that. It's when your parents, they don't have a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. Some college still would make you a first generation of college. If they don't have that bachelor's degree, you would be a first generation of college student. But what people need to understand is, is that you know, I know right now we can't because we have these virtual visits, but if you can visit the school, this mm-hmm. is a place where you're going to spend the next four years at, right? And that's important. And the reason why I say four years is because when you transfer, you don't get the financial aid that you would have initially gotten if you had went to that school from your freshman year. Mm-hmm. The other thing is not only look at the academics and look at the major, think about where you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like what career you want. But also I would say, look at the climate. Mm -hmm. You know, who are you on this campus? Do people see you? Do you see other people who look like you? And I don't just mean students. I mean, faculty. I mean, staff. I mean, administrator. Do you see pictures Mm -hmm. like artwork of people of color that's around the school? Like where, where are the people concentrated? Talk to people of color, right? Talk to somebody. Or, you know, if you're not a person of color, you still should be talking to students. Mm -hmm. You need to know that this is the place that I want to go. And then when you're applying, maybe you're paying out of pocket. Because, you know, there are there are wealthy and I think there's a there's this misconception that people of color are wealthy. There are wealthy people of color. But we're in an age where we understand like the top eight percent and then everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so if you are applying for financial aid, if the financial aid comes back and it's still not enough, speak up. My grandmother used to say a closed mouth don't get fed. And so one of the things that I see all the time is parents saying, I can't afford that or I need more money. There's always more money. And if they're not, they can at least tell you no. And then you can ask for more later on down the line. But don't stop asking. And asking doesn't make you poor. Mm -hmm. Asking does not affirm that you should not be here. Right. Mm -hmm. And so be able to ask. I need more money. I really want to come here and I need more money. Other thing is, is that when, you know, the early bird gets the worm. Mm -hmm. So I know it's a lot for you to do all these essays. But if you could do all these essays and you can get a full ride to school and these interviews, do them because so you won't have to be paying Sally Maybach, right? Mm-hmm. And so do what you need to do now. Do the prep work now so that you can enjoy college later. Mm-hmm. You got into my next questions of resources, but a little tidbit um, for all those who are protesting and everything. If y'all just want to go hit up Sally May, I'm cool with that. We can yeah, handle it. Just handle all of our files. We appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> and you know what? Thank you for answering the question about resources, because I know like shout out to mommy and daddy, because they was coming up to campus, talking to the bursar office, talking to the financial aid, like y'all gonna give us some money because we ain't got it. We need some money. So if you don't have parents like that, find someone on campus who will help you to talk to like, listen, you need to talk to this person because this person know the more, you know, the loans or the, the scholarships that you may need. So yes, use your resources. How can we prep those who are in school right now, especially with COVID and majority of classes being online? 
Because let me tell y'all, online classes is whole different than in-person classes. Yeah, I would say one of the important things is to know your learning style. Mm -hmm. If you know you did not do well with online learning for that brief stint last semester, whether you were in high school, you were in college, it's okay to take a break. Now, I know some people shaking their head. "Mm -mm, She shouldn't be telling. It's okay to take a break. My husband and I, we wanted to do parenting a little differently. Mm -hmm. And so we figured that we were going to talk to our children. We were going to make them take time out, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we weren't, we weren't given this, you know, and I'm not going to sit up here and act like I, yeah, I got in trouble. 80% of it it was my fault because it Mm -hmm. was my mouth. I got my hands. My mom laid her hands on me. You know what I mean? My dad did it one time and he was just so, so guilt written after that. We was like, oh, all right, he ain't going to never do it again. But so we said, let's do this. And so I started making my kids take timeouts and they was like sitting there taking timeouts. But then I, they started to like enjoy it. And then what really hit home, I gave my daughter a timeout and I was like, OK, your timeout over. She's like, no, I'm going to stay here longer because I love it. And I was like, you love it? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, she making me mad. I was like, that's not what timeouts is for. They shouldn't be loving timeouts. And then when I realized we as people, we never take a timeout. And so college is the time. It's the only time in your life where you can actually take a timeout. Take a timeout to recalibrate. Take a timeout to recharge. Take a timeout to figure out your passion or to make more money. It's okay. How do you sell that on your resume? Well, you sell it as maturity. I realized that this was a pandemic. Maybe there was no money at home. Someone lost their job. So I wanted to go back and I wanted to help my family. One, that showcases that you're a team player, right? Mm-hmm. Or two, I took a time out because I had to deal with my mental health. Like this was this time. And so I want to remind people that you can take a time out. And so if you realize that you need to take a time out, if you're like, I'm going to push through this, then you need to go to places like your learning resource center and you need to find different ways to study for online learning. And you need to look at math resources because it's changing. You also need to utilize office hours. Hmm. You don't have to think about office hours as well. I'm not failing. You go to office hours because it puts you in relationship with the professor. One of the things that college does, it's one of the most important things. It puts us in rooms with people that we would not otherwise have the privilege of being in the room. Mm -hmm. It, It can expand our network. So you need to network. Go talk to your professor, figure out their journey. Even if you are passing, if you are passing, go figure out that. And your professor can probably tell you, hey, you can get a tutoring job helping this other student. And so make sure you talking, make sure you're sharing with someone what's going on with you mentally, because right now mental health is important. And what I really need parents to do is I need you to check on your child at school. Check on them. Hey, how are you doing? Not only how are classes going, but how are you doing? They are still in these halls in these dorm rooms and they're isolated, right? And so check on them, check on their mental health, make sure they're utilizing the learning resource centers, make sure they're utilizing professor's office hours. Those are some of the most important resources that you could really impress upon your son or daughter to to use. And I think mental like therapists on campus is free and it's confidential. Wherever you go, it's confidential. And if you don't like the therapist that you're you're seeing, go find another one. It's just like any other health profession. If you don't like your physician, find another one. I know for me right now, it's a struggle. And I hate to admit 
that it's a struggle. You know, I'm not always one to admit that, but it is working full time in school, part time and learning, discovering and healing myself. It's a lot. So I have to constantly rely on God. And I just recently up my own therapy sessions to every three weeks to like help with my mental and my process and making sure I'm healthy all the way. So, yes, people. Can I say one, one, another thing? I know when Coquita talked about special ed, I want to also just remind parents that if your child had an IEP in high school, they can get accommodations in college. So if your child, you know, has an IEP and you're like, no, they made it through high school, they're okay. Nine out of 10, they'll need those same accommodations in college and they can get it. Your child will not be labeled. They do not tell the professors what's going on with your son and daughter. But I also want you to be mindful that also half of these new diagnoses emerge when they're in college because they're in a stressful environment. Mm. And so maybe they never showcased this when they were in high school, but they're there now. Do not brush it away. Hear them, listen to them and get them the assistance that they need. Yes. And we all need some accommodations. So, you know, don't look at it like it's mm, something wrong. It's something wrong with all of us. Okay. We all need help. What is the most important lesson you feel that college students should obtain while studying undergrad? Because for me, I say if you're in a relationship, tell that girl or that boy, if it's meant to be, you will catch them after graduation because you need to explore, you need to evolve, you need to experience all that college has for you. I would say expand your network. Like do things that you you haven't did. Join the white water rafting group, right? Now, but hold on, you better know how to swim. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not <laughs> telling you to do something that you don't know. But I mean like, right? Join a musical. Do something that you just didn't because it puts you in different circles, right? Mm -hmm. If you are arts major, join a business society club. You don't have to be that major to join it, but you really want to expand and diversify your personal portfolio. And so I encourage you to do that. Meet different people, talk to different people. Don't just get there and just be like, I'm only going to join the multicultural organization. Join the multicultural, join the business, join like you want to make sure that when you leave there, like if you start a new business or if you run for office, like you want to make sure that like, hey, I did the thing. Like if we're there, we need to go in and we need to be all in. Don't stick your toe in, jump. Hmm. How do you personally maintain a healthy mental being a full-time mother, a full-time employee at a PWI? And PWI, for those who don't know, is predominantly white institution and a full-time wife, daughter, sister, and friend. Whew. This is a lot just naming all of it. And yes, I said daughter and sister because our parents don't care if we at work, they calling us. Our siblings, what you doing? I do have a job, y'all. I'm working. I'm doing this. So how do you maintain it all? I'm going to be honest. Some days I don't. Mm -hmm. Right? And I, because I, I think one of the things we don't share is I think for so long we only share our successes and we never share our losses. And so we have these people who think that we are gods and they get themselves, they disqualify themselves from the race because they'd be like, I can't be like you. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, I'm not asking you to be like me. I ain't even thinking about you, mm -hmm. right? I'm just trying to run my race. And I think I remember that the more we were trying to practice for the Broad Street Run and it was my dad, because, you know, my dad always talked about how he's running. So my dad and it was myself and then my, my sister, my 16-year-old sister, Moy at the time, decided to join us. 
And she was lapping us, like straight lapping us in the morning. We was like six o'clock in the morning and she used to tease me and I'm very competitive. And I was trying to keep up with her, but then I realized that the next day I couldn't even walk. (laughs) And then I said to myself, I got to stay out of her lane. Mm. And so for that day, I put my head down and staying in your own lane is even hard when you running, if you know, Mm -hmm. and I just focused and I ran. Right. And then when I got finished, she was like, I'm finished. She had sat down. She said, how many, how many miles did you run? And I looked at my watch and I said, three. She said, what? She said, I only ran two. And I realized that was my problem. Mm. I was in somebody else's lane. And so I was like, I just need to stay focused on me. And, and so for me, I try to like take care of myself, but I lose that battle um, a lot, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And so I'm more mindful. I have to learn to forgive myself when I do. And then just to promise myself that I will do better next time. So a big part of me in maintaining that is forgiving myself, Mm -hmm. but also being more disciplined and setting boundaries and telling people no and being comfortable with disappointing people because I would rather disappoint people than disappoint myself and God. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I'm trying to do that. And so that means running. That means riding my bike. That means reading. I'm trying to write. That means laughing Mm -hmm. about my children, hearing them. You know, in my house, I have three. There's Phoebe, Whitman, and Phineas, but I have nicknames, right? Whitman's name is Wisdom. Mm -hmm. And Wisdom always dropping some knowledge. Always. Always, right? (laughs) Then you have Beauty. Mm -hmm. Phoebe is always looking to make something beautiful. She has taught me to stop, to look at the little things like flowers. I'm a grower, but I like growing food that can sustain you. But I forgot how flowers can sustain your your mental. And so she reminds me, oh my gosh, mom, look at that. Look at that beautiful butterfly. And she reminds me to enjoy that. And then I have 10,000. Now that's Phineas. (laughs) Phineas is always, he got this 10,000 view. Like he got to lay out the land and he got to look at the easiest way across. And Mm -hmm. so I like have them and like to reflect on them or to like hit them with what I may be experiencing. It's allowed me to like just maintain my mental. I remember for y'all 10 year anniversary, I came and got some sunflowers and I was like, Phoebe, come on, help me put the flowers up. She said, are they for me? I said, no, they for your mom. She said, well, I don't want to help. I said, well, you know what? Go ahead, sister soldier. Go ahead. So do you see yourself remaining in higher ed for long? I see myself helping people. I'm working on a company now called Watering Seeds Mm -hmm. because I want to help people water their seeds so that they can grow their vision, their purpose, or their passion. And so I don't know. I know that I'm always going to have a foot in higher ed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Sunday school teacher now. And Lord knew that when they asked me to to teach this aspect of, of, of a Sunday school with little people, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm scared. But then I had to learn that, Lord, what lesson is it that you want to teach me about working with little kids? And so I'll say that wherever he leads me, I'll follow. Okay. What's next for you then? What exactly will fill you? I want to write. And Mm -hmm. so I'm working on a series about children, a series of children books, but not just children books, because I had asked God one day, I was like, Lord, I want to be. And then the Holy Spirit stopped me because I was going to say, Lord, I want to be like J.K. Rowling. And he said, no, 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 no. You want to be bigger. And I said, you know, I want to be bigger, but not to, to just just have that position, but be in a position again, like my water and seat says, I want to help people. And so I want to I want to write. 
I want to publish. I want to show little black and brown babies that storybooks can be written about you living in the city. Like you don't have to be, you know, living on a farm or wealthy or living in London. Like it can happen. It can happen with characters named Raheem and Daquan and Shaniqua. It can happen. Mm-hmm. Phineas and Whitman and Phoebe. I want them to see themselves in literature. So that's what's next for me. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Before we get into the food, I would like to provide y'all with some local resources. Thank you to my good friend, Kenny, for sharing this great information with me. If you or anyone you know are in the need for food, please check out Community Fridge in Philly. They provide and set up a refrigerator in many sections of Philadelphia for those who are in need. And anyone is able to come at any location and take whatever you need or leave what you don't. If you have any extra food or water, please give to this organization. If you would like to know more about them, please check them out on their IG page, Germantown Fridge. I will also post a picture of all their locations. If you know anyone who's in need, please be a blessing. You never know who's in need, so always help. Well, good people, I hope this episode has filled you. I pray it has helped you, enlighten you, as well as give you hope to any area that needs it. And always remember that help is available to you and there's nothing wrong with needing help. So God created us and placed us on earth to be a helpmate. So don't allow pride and ego to get in your way for reaching out and receiving the things that you need in order to accomplish what God sets for you. Okay. But I'm shouting out Veganish, located West Philly, 1214 North 52nd Street. They are open daily and they close at 9 p.m. Thank God for a semi late night spot. Veganish has some really good options. For vegan lovers and us pescatarians, I recently had their vegan cheese fries and y'all, I'm a french fry connoisseur and their fries was right, but you got to eat them while they're hot. And their chicken cheese steak is pretty good too. I mean, it's a different texture, but it's good. So go check them out. Let them know Good Food, Good People podcast sent you. And Charisma, who are you putting the good people on and who are you shouting out? I'm shouting out Sweet Jasmine's Bakery. It is in Berwyn. I will tell you, if you go, you have to get this cake called a Sweet Potato Sequel. Yes. Chef Kim is an African-American bakery. She's a baker. It's just amazing. So when you go, you tell her good food, good people podcast sent you and Charisma sent you as well. Okay, good people. That is all. Be a blessing. Remain blessed. And if you haven't already, please follow Good Food, Good People Podcast at G-D-F-O-O-D-G-D-P-E-O-P-L-E-P-O-D on Instagram. Remain intentional and always seek God and make time for him before anything else. Be well, good people. Eat good. Surround yourself with good people. And remember to bring good and all the goodness there is home first. So see you next time. Thank you, Riz.